0: Let's get to the Word of God today, uh, because I'm a preacher at heart, a pastor at heart, and I want you to look with me over to the Gospel of Luke, and while you are turning with me in the Bible to uh, the fourth chapter of the book of Luke, and I'll get there in just a moment, I I want to pose a few questions for you this morning, and, uh, and just get you to ask yourself a few of these questions. I mean, can you believe today God is letting you live in this time, in this day, in the United States of America and across the world? Can you believe you get the opportunity to live in the year 2020? I mean, that's pretty cool. If you've forgotten how cool that is, then, you know, don't die because you'll lose the cool factor. (laughs) Gain it one way, but lose it the other. But I want to urge you today to understand that God has appointed you the times in which you live, but He not only appointed you the times in which you live, the Bible tells us in the book of Acts, in chapter 17, that He appointed even the boundaries of your dwelling. You live in this region because God sent you here to live in this region. And you have purpose and you have meaning. You have dynamic. And do you want God to do something great in your life because of that? I mean, I wonder how many of you today would really like to know what it means to have the power of God. Far too many Christians and far too many Christian leaders are way too content to do ministry without the power of God. How many of you would like to know what it's like to come humbly before the Lord? What that deeply means to experience the healing power of God in your life. To experience the dynamic of what it means to live in true obedience to God. Sold out, lock, stock, barrel, everything I've got, I'm in. What does that really mean? I wonder this morning how many of us would like to know what it really means to be intimate with God. Intimate with His Son, Jesus Christ. The presence of the Holy Spirit. What it means to really walk with God. Have you ever come a time in your life when you've been all in the presence of the holiness of God? Where there was full surrender... 100% I surrender to you, Jesus, so that you would give yourself 100% to be everything in and through my life. You know what that means? What that's like? I wonder how many of the promises of God can really be lived out and the disciplines of the Spirit and of the Word of God that, it, that really it would be possible for you. How, how would it be to be able to face your future boldly? Courageously. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But it's another thing to talk about the shepherd, but it's another thing to talk... To the shepherd. And the shepherd will see you even through the valley of the shadow of death. In which I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What do you want God to do in your life? And what do you you want God to do... In your family uh, let me let me just lay a little spiritual principle upon you before I read from Luke 4 today. God wants to do great things in you so that he can do greater things through you. hear me clearly you you will never have God do anything greater through you than God is not already doing in you. Living from the inside out is a lot more powerful than living from the outside in. Living from the inside out means that, man, you, God is wearing you out internally. God is walking with you intimately and then you are flowing, and the external is being shaped by what God is doing in you. We'll never see change if we're expecting the outside to change us. In recent days, your pastor, Jason Cruz, has been preaching to you, talking to you, teaching you the Word of God about the life of Jesus. And one of the things pastor wanted me to come and do secured me several weeks ago to do it, and I'll gladly um, stand alongside of him and preach in this great pulpit any time God gives me the opportunity. But he wanted me to talk to you about how Jesus prayed, and even more specifically, That whole different level of prayer that hardly ever gets talked about in the church and even in the denomination, the convention of churches that proclaims itself to teach the whole word of God. This deep truth of Jesus' practice of not just prayer, but prayer with fasting. In fact, the Bible tells us In Luke chapter 4, I want to read it, and I'm going to read from the Christian Standard Bible. Let's read verse 1. Then Jesus left the Jordan, full of the Holy Spirit, and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. Verse 2 for 40 days to be tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. And when they were over, he was hungry. Hello. (laughs) Go figure. Now, today if I had what is called a telestrator, if you don't know what that is, it's when guys are doing football games or some sport on television and they're drawing little circles for you along the way. I really wish I had one of those everywhere I went because I, can, I, I can't write, but I can circle. And, and, but I, I would have you circle and look at these words here just with me briefly. After he left the Jordan, he was full, full of the Holy Spirit. And then notice what the Bible says. Not only was he full, but he was led. That would be another word that I would key in on, by the Spirit. And then for 40 days, he did what? He he went and walked in the wilderness, stayed in the wilderness, and pursued the God of heaven through fasting and did not eat anything for 40 days. At the end of the 40 days, remember, he was fully... Man and fully God, he was hungry. Then I want you to notice something in verse 14. Then Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit. And news about him spread throughout the entire vicinity. Notice verse 1. Full of the Spirit. Notice verse 1, led by the Spirit. Notice verse 14, power of the Spirit. What happened? Full, led, and power. What happened in between that time? 40 days of intimately walking with the Father, fasting, and praying. Wow. Authority came to Jesus' life because of his prayer life. Because he prayed, because he fasted, because he was led by the Spirit, full of the Spirit, and eventually became empowered by the Spirit. In fact, the Bible tells us this word power in verse 14 is the word dunamis, which is the word dynamite. in what we would call explosive. Now, downtown Nashville, right by my office, where the old Lifeway buildings were, they took all those buildings, they imploded them. I looked out my window the other day, and they'll blow this horn. And when they blow this horn, that means they're about to blow something up below. Well, if you don't hear the horn, son, all of a sudden it shakes that building, and you think Jesus is coming again. And literally, they're blowing up stuff constantly down there. I mean, right below my window, I watch it. It's pretty amazing what happens due to the construction of preparing for massive buildings being built in downtown Nashville. The Bible tells us that Jesus had such power, it was like dunamis. It was like power, dynamite. And it all came because of his fasting. I tell you, Pastor Jason, you want to do something really interesting. You look at what happened in Luke chapter 4. If I had a moment over the next hour to teach you expositionally through the Gospel of Luke in chapter 4 alone, and just stayed in chapter 4, it's quite interesting to see the power that came to Jesus' life because of those 40 days that he spent with the Father. In fact, what you'll find is, and you can see it all over Luke 4, he had power in his teaching. He had power in his preaching. He had power in deliverance over demons and the devils of hell. He had power in ministry everywhere he went. He had power over Satan and his demons. He had power over sickness and unhealthiness. And he took the gospel to the world all because of what happened in Luke 4. Fact is such a practice of Jesus' life. Here's another little stream that you find in the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 6. You want to know how Jesus prayed? Notice this. Jesus said in Matthew 6 these words when you pray. That means not if you pray. That's a lifestyle. When you pray. And then he talked about something else when you give. Now, when he talks about when you give, that doesn't mean if you give. Doesn't mean how your bank account is. Tithing and biblical stewardship doesn't depend on how much is in the bank. It depends on the condition of your heart and your willingness to follow God. When you pray, when you give, when you what? Fast. Wow. That doesn't mean if you fast, that means when you fast. You say, well, Ron, what is fasting? That's a great question. And let me define it for you today. Fasting is abstinence from food with a spiritual goal in mind. That's what it is. Did you get it? When the Bible talks about fasting, it's talking about abstaining from the most natural thing your body desires. You know what the most natural thing your body desires? is food. I mean, how many of y'all are looking forward to lunch? It's natural. Don't don't have to apologize for it. I hope you go and enjoy and eat yourself however much you want to. Unless God is leading you to fast. But the point is, is that's the way you're made to. God made you to eat. Now, he didn't make you all about eating, but eating is a blessing, right? Well, when you pray, when you fast... The Bible tells you that you are to abstain from food with a spiritual goal in mind. Meaning that the goal in your mind spiritually is so big, you're willing to do without something in order to spend that time and allocate it to God in prayer and in fasting. I believe it's a spiritual insight. And that insight is as follows that God's entrance into his supernatural power is Fasting and prayer. If you want to experience the supernatural power of God in your life, I believe one of the ways to do that, not the only way, but one of the ways to do that is through prayer and fasting. Now, fasting can be about other things in life, not simply about food. It can be fasting from things that you love. Every one of us love other things. For example, uh, some could fast from television for a week. Imagine what that would do in your life. You say, what's the purpose of that? Well, it would be like, okay, if you watch three hours of television, you take those three hours and you don't watch it. And those three hours, you go try to spend time with God and you get in God's word and you talk to God about what's on your heart because you see, you get a spiritual goal in mind. What is my goal? I want to see God do this in my life. I want to see this obstacle overcome. I want this stronghold to be delivered from me. So I'm going to pursue the God of heaven. I'm going to give up this in order to go pursue the God of heaven to do something in my life for a segment and moment and time in my life. So it could be something like television. It could be to walk away from the social networking for a week, which for some of you, that would be like, man, I'd rather give up food than that. Um, but regardless, you follow what I'm saying. Find something that you love. But basically in the scripture, the whole emphasis is about fasting from food with a spiritual goal in mind. You say, Ronnie, give me an example. Give me something I can put my arms around. Teach me the principles, okay? If you would, would you go to Ezra? Ezra, that's in the book. That's in the Old Testament. So I want you to turn in your Bible to the book of Ezra. Got it? All right? It's over there, the Old Testament. If you don't know where it is, look in the table of contents and find it. All right? It's a good book. You can read it. And let me tell you something. When you get to heaven one day, Ezra's going to ask you a question. Hey, did you read my book? And so you need to, you need to, you need to read this book. It's a great book in the Scripture. But it's in Ezra chapter 8. And Ezra was leading the Jewish exiles back to Jerusalem, and there was an amazing event that occurred at the Ahava River. Ezra halted the travelers who were with him, and he asked them to seek God to protect them on the journey they were on. Now why? Because there were enemies everywhere who wanted to take them out. And he could have appealed to the king, king, send a cavalry with me. But he was afraid to appeal to the king because he had been talking to the king about how powerful God was. And how do I talk to a king about how powerful God is if I'm not willing to trust God to deliver me from my enemies? So here he is. He must be getting into the danger field of his enemy battlefield Out here, and he felt the 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 encroachment of the of the enemy around him. And notice what he did. It's a powerful story, and it's right here in in Ezra 8, verse 21 through 23. Notice what he did with the people. This is with the people, with the people of God. I proclaimed a fast. By the Ahava River. Now let's read slowly. My God in Israel always say, man, you Americans read the Bible way too fast. So slow it down. By the Ahaba River so that we might. Why? Why do we proclaim a fast? Look at the scripture up there. So that we might humble ourselves before our God. Wow. That's why we do it. And ask him for a what? Safe journey for us. Our dependence and all our possessions. I did this. Look what he says. He admits this. I did this. Because I was ashamed to ask the king for infantry and cavalry to protect us from enemies during the journey. Since we had told him the hand of our God is gracious to all who seek him. But his fierce anger is against all who abandon him. So we fasted. And pleaded with our God about this. And he was receptive to our Prayer Is that not one mm, great verse? I would say amen if I were all of you. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> and what's really dynamic is later in the scriptures, in verse 31, look what he said. We were strengthened by our God and he kept us from the grasp of the enemy and from the ambush along the way. So, a need existed. Follow this. Follow this train of thought for a moment. A need existed. Are you with me? They humbled themselves. They fasted and prayed about the need. And what did God do? God delivered them. There are people all over this congregation today and those of you that are gathering in another place on this campus who absolutely are in deep need in your life about certain things. Stop settling for where you are. Pursue the God of heaven to do what only the God of heaven is able to do. The Bible calls us in chapter, or chapter 5 of 1 Peter, verse 6, says these words, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that He may exalt you at the proper time. Everyone wants exaltation, but you don't get exaltation without humbling yourself before God. There is a direct correlation all through the Old and the New Testament between humbling yourself before God And prayer and fasting. It's making yourself low. So that you can appeal to the God of heaven. Who can do anything, anytime, anywhere with anyone. And do it in your life for his honor and for his glory. That word humble is a word that means to lie low. It means to make yourself flat. Or to put yourself under. This is why David said in chapter 35, verse 13 of the book of of Psalms, I humbled myself with fasting. More than an an action you take, it is you getting yourself in a position to be before God so that God can speak to you and so that you can hear God speak to you so you can stand on His Word so that God can demonstratively show Himself how powerful He really is in and through your life. Oh, listen, if you study the Holy Scriptures... You have to understand it's totally opposite of what we think. We think people humble us. The Bible never calls you to try to humble somebody else. The Bible calls you to humble yourself before God. We are to take the initiative. And the scripture says that that initiative many times, not all the time, but many times is through what we would call prayer and fasting. So the people humble themselves before God. Now, let me show you a great truth here. A great truth is this. As they fasted and prayed about their need, God answered them. But remember, they they had a need. And they prayed and they fasted and God met that need. But here's a reality for you. Based off that great truth, as you fast and pray about your needs, God will answer you. This is not some Old Testament or New Testament principle that's no longer relevant. God will still answer your prayer. God will still answer you. You say, man, Ronnie, you are one extremist talking about this kind of thing. I, I've never heard this in my life. Uh, it, it, you know, if I was preaching in my home state, some of you look like a calf staring at a new gate. I mean, come on. But, but the point is, listen, fasting is all over the scripture. You say, no. Yeah, Ezra fasted, Nehemiah fasted, Elijah fasted, Moses fasted, the Jewish people fasted, Jehoshaphat fasted, John the Baptist fasted, Paul fasted, the New Testament church fasted, Jesus Christ fasted. The list is endless. So I'm telling you, there's power in fasting. When I was a college student, I started fasting and praying. I didn't know anything about it. It's amazing that I lived through it. But I just had a passion, read about it, heard about it from listening to a preacher. in what used to exist in the 1970s called a cassette tape. And as I listened, I learned... The principle of fasting. So I started fasting and praying. And life goes on. I became a pastor while I was in college, in my latter years of college, my last year and a half, and then through seminary and full-time pastor during seminary and beyond. And I just kept that practice going and and sometime I would go two or three days, and sometime I would go longer. Uh, nineteen ninety we had two little children. they were both little boys. Uh, one of them's now a coach in Birmingham, Alabama, at a large seven a high school, and uh, one is the pastor of the church I just left, and uh, he's leading the church and And I used to. My wife and I lived in Northwest Arkansas at that time, and my wife was diagnosed with cancer. She was 35 years old, two little boys, and boy, we got scared to death. She had to go to MD Anderson Hospital in, in Houston, Texas, which at that time was known as the cancer hospital of the, pretty much of the world, and uh, long story short, I started that day, um, that week that she was diagnosed I started fasting and praying one day a week that God would heal her. One day a week. That's all I did. I'd fast and pray one day a week. God gave me a scripture. I stood on that scripture. I carried a card because that's where we had cell phones you could call. If you tried to put a cell phone in your, in your pocket in 1990, it didn't exist, bro. Okay? If it did, you couldn't get it in the pocket there. You might get it in your trunk, but not in the pocket. You follow me? Well, my wife is still alive. She'll be at your second worship service today. And she'll be here with us. I fasted one day a week for my boys for a long time. Some of you concerned about your kids? How much? It wasn't in my kids' with problems. I don't have any problem with my kids, I didn't have any of it. But they're both living for Jesus. They both love God. They both are committed to Christ. But I fasted and prayed for my kids one day a week. I fasted over seasons of time in my life, over major decisions in my church, ministry moments that were occurring, experiences that I had. I fasted for sermons that I would preach that were pivotal moments. And I fasted and I prayed and asked God. I would fast sometime for three days, sometimes for 10 days, sometimes for 21 days, sometimes for 40 days. 1997, I was asked to preach in Washington, D.C. for Promise Keepers for the major march that occurred there on October the 4th, 1997. Some of you men were probably there. I preached, I was probably the youngest guy on the platform at that time I preached nine minutes and Jason I fasted and prayed 40 days for those nine minutes because I knew that would be the greatest platform I would ever possibly have in my entire life see it just matters really what matters to you and what God leads you to do Every one of you have major decisions in your life. You're going to have major decisions in your life. Life is about decision making. And there are some of those decisions. I'm not saying all those decisions. So don't think I'm totally radical, crazy, looney tune. I'm not that. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. God wants you to talk to him about your decisions. And there are some decisions when you just need to pursue the God of heaven. In a way that is abnormally The way you deal with it. And some of that can be, of course, through fasting and prayer. I mean, in this room today, there are people all over this congregation that need a breakthrough. You need a breakthrough, man. Come on, just admit it. There's nothing wrong with that. That's not unhealthy. That's healthy. Pride is what's not healthy. I'll tell you, my first 40-day fast, 1995, there are a lot of things God did in me. I felt like I got a new church that day when God brought revival to our church. Well, let me tell you what our people got. Our people, because of that 40-day experience, got a new pastor that day. And I can assure you, my friend, that one of the things God taught me in that very first long journey with him is that the moment, listen to me now, the moment pride walks on the platform, God walks off. Way too much pride in church. And we need to humble ourselves before God. You need a breakthrough. You need to ask God for it. There's some of you need a miracle in your life. I mean a miracle. I don't know what that miracle is, but God still does miracles. You say, you mean Baptists believe in miracles? Well, yes. Hello. Well, I never do that. Well, bless God, time you know it. We believe in the Bible. We believe in the power of God. It's who we are. You need God to do a new thing in your life. You're bored by your Christian experience. You're bored about your life. You're about to yawn yourself to sleep over how boring you are in your spiritual life. You need a fresh touch. Some of you have been trying to witness to a friend for a long time. Have you prayed and fasted for that moment? Some of you carry great burdens in your heart. Burdens that dominate you. A burden is something you get up with in the morning. You live throughout the day with it. And you go to bed with it at night. And I'm not talking about your spouse. But a real burden. God can deliver you from the burden. And if he doesn't deliver you. He'll give you a brand new perspective about it. And you'll see it no longer as a burden. But as God's way of keeping you where He wants you to be in your life. You know, here's the facts. Prayer should always be something in your life daily. And prayer with fasting should also be in your life periodically. Jesus prayed every day. And periodically, he would fast. Not all the time. He was fully human and fully God. Sometimes he'd pull alongside, pull away from, and he would do it. So I challenge you today, what is God saying to you? Who needs... Who needs to surrender to do something God might want you to do. I'm not asking you to pray and fast. That's got to be between you and the Holy Spirit. But I can tell you right now, I know know people. (laughs) I've pastored people for years, and they, they carry burdens. They need breakthroughs. They need, they need new jobs. They need decisions with their children, with their future, with their career. They need financial matters. They've got needs galore. We have a God who can meet those needs. And over the next few moments, we're going to ask you to come and agree with us in prayer about those needs. And I pray you'll come. Some of you, God, wants to save. You've never met Jesus as Lord and Savior. That'd be the greatest miracle there has ever been, that a sinner destined to an eternity without God can be forgiven and changed by the power of Jesus Christ and be set free forever. Some of you need that. Some of you, God is calling to do something new in your life, maybe to be a part of this church, maybe to to enter the ministry of the gospel, maybe to to do something brand new in your life. Others of you, God is just, just really calling you to walk deeper with him, more intimately with him, more powerful with him. I plead with you, please come. Let us pray with you. You know, you often don't think about sharing something with somebody like a tweet or an email or sending them a sermon or sending them a podcast. You don't often think of that as missions, but it is. It's not that you have to send it to the whole world or post every single thing we do at Clearview on your feed. But if, if you've heard a sermon or if you've listened to a podcast, think through your life. I mean, God, who needs to hear this? Sometimes it, it, it doesn't go on your Facebook page. Sometimes it needs to go on your Twitter, but sometimes just a simple text to one person can make all the difference in the world. Is sending them the word of God in real time. Share it. You'd be surprised how far it goes.